Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Why, and I'm joined by my co-host as I am every single week to recap a wonderful week of NFL. Josh Woot, how you going, buddy? Very well. It's been a very good week. It's been a very, very good week very, in the sporting world, in the NFL world. It's been lovely. Why the sporting world? What have I missed? Um, well, I mean, the whole the we had we had our NBA draft, so that was fun. That was that was very fun. That was fun. We both had have okay teams. We say that every year, and then don't win. And we are witnessing, you know. Two fairy tale teams in the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs in the Baseball World Series. Correct. So that is that is awesome. And then for me as a soccer fan, Chelsea, um, welcome back to Jose Mourinho to the home field, and then they pumped Man United four 0 So that was terrific. So it's been a very good week for you. Uh... And, and then, well, okay. Philly. <laughs> no, no, we'll talk about that. We'll get that into. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, you're right. It has been a good week, and it's been a great week for us in the NFL in our picks as well. It's been probably our best week to date. The NFL starting to make a lot more sense. We we know that you know Brady and the Pats are still good. Forty Nine ers stink. Um, you know Jay Ajayi had a huge week, but our picks even bigger than Jay Ajayi. We went ten four and one in our picks against the spread. Um, we we both got the same. We we flipped on uh, Washington Detroit, which ended up being an absolute thriller anyway. So that game could have really it did go down to the wire, but that could have gone. Um, it went in your favor. It could have very easily gone in my favor. And then uh, I had Oakland and you had Jacksonville, so we split that game. But the rest uh, we, we were ten four and one against the spread. So now uh, you're fifty seven and fifty against the spread. I'm fifty eight and forty nine against the spread. So we're doing very very well at the moment. Uh, we after the horrendous uh, start to the season. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you say it's making sense, but it's not making sense at all. It really isn't. <laughs> True. Some things, like, some bits of the puzzle are making sense, but it's still a whole mess in the middle. And uh, I say I say the word puzzles. We're recording late tonight because uh, we watched the finale of Australian Survivor tonight and uh, plenty of puzzles in that game. Literally, like, physically, they, they do puzzles. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> No comment, mate. Sorry. No comment. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a letdown of a series. Just idiotic moves after idiotic moves. So uh, we'll wait and see how we go. And uh, <laughs> our mighty San Diego Superchargers, they win in an absolute thriller. They turn the they turn the record around, the, the late-game records that they've been having this year. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago at length. You know, some 99% chance to win games that they managed to lose. And this time they managed to turn the tables and, and put up a, a thriller... In, in Atlanta and uh, moved to three and four. Can they can they win the division? Are they still a chance? There's still a chance. I don't think they're going to win, but um, 
I mean, we spoke about Joey Bosa. The guy's locked up defensive rookie of the year. And it's, what, it's like his third Stop game. The so. Stop the race. It's amazing. He's played three games. He's already won it. Stop the race. Yeah, it's amazing. He, uh, well, there's no one else. Yeah. He's pretty much winks in terms of horse racing and the rest of the rookies are the rest of the field in the in the Cox Plate. He's, yep. he's got an eight-length lead already, and the race has barely started. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump into some NFL news. We'll start with Arian Foster, who announced his retirement from the NFL after eight seasons today. He said in a, in a long statement, this is a part of it, there comes a time in every athlete's career when their ambition and their body are no longer on the same page. So... He said, my father always said, you'll know when it's time to walk away. So he has decided to do that, and he said it's never been more clear than right now. So he's had multiple injuries, hamstrings, Achilles, and groin issues for, for years and years and years. Tried to come back and, and play for Miami this year, got hurt again. And now that the, you know, the running bucking Bronco, J.H.I., has you know, joined the record books alongside the likes of O.J. Simpson, it's tough to see. O, uh, sorry, O.J., he's definitely not coming back. But Arian Foster... Uh, to come back, and he's uh, decided to announce his retirement. Yeah, it's a shame because of his, his. He was my favorite ever running back to watch. I know he wasn't. Wow. He wasn't a bulldozer or anything that like that. I just loved his upright running style, and he always. You knew that what like any game he played, he gave it his all, and he still ran the exact same way with like with whatever team he played for. And I know that it was mainly with the Texans, but. Man, I, I loved it. I loved yeah. his running style, and I hated it ever. Like always going up against him in um, in fantasy, whether or not he was coming off an injury or what. Every week would have just been his huge week, and it always like how many of the fantasy like championship teams that have won had him in their lineup at some point throughout the year. He he was just a he was a stud. He was a stud, but I I like the way he bowed out. I yeah. like it that he didn't. It wasn't a, a like even though he did get hurt and he bowed out. It was. I like it when a player, not not so much like the whole Anthony Davis thing, that kind of shocking. More just like I don't know. It still was shocking and surprising the way he did it. And but he wasn't forced into it. He just decided to do it. Is that what you're trying to say? Like yeah, he just said, yeah. No one said all right. This injury, you know, yep. could determine your career or whatever like that. He's just gone. You know what? Injuries suck. And I'm constantly having them. There's no point in grinding away if I'm going to keep getting hurt. So it's just. Yeah, I like I, I like the way he did it, and the guy is he's such an interesting personality as well. He's a real odd guy. He's like a yeah. a zen a zened out guy, and yeah. like he, you know, when everyone else is praising Jesus and God, he came out and just confessed that he was an atheist, and like that was completely. <laughs> you mentioned like, that. Uh, reminded me of um, you know PFT commentator on Twitter. He's very satirical and just like really stupid humor like dark humor yep. as well. He tweeted like, oh, Russell Wilson um, hurts his leg and, um, you know, he's a Christian and he came back after two weeks. Aaron Foster hurts his leg. He's an atheist and he just retires, man. Like, <laughs> it's so stupid, but it was hilarious. But yeah, you're, you're right. He like, when everyone, you know, was going down a different path, he he wanted to do, do it, you know, go to, go in a different direction and... and and it wasn't just being different for the sake of it. He was just, that's who Arian Foster was. And you're right. He he was a great running back to watch. I remember 2011 was probably his best season. He was just unreal. But sort of that three-year stretch from 2010, 2011, 2012, when he burst onto the scene, he was uh, he was sensational. And he was just a stud running back. He was just a fantasy, fantasy god, especially in PPR formats. Like, the guy, 
you know, had 6,527 rushing yards and 2,346 re- receiving yards and 88 touchdowns in his in his career. So it's uh, it's pretty damn good. So he's a guy that we're going to miss. Yeah, no, and like I said, he might he might not have been the best. He may not have been the biggest, you know, ga- um, gainer of yards or like a bulldozer or anything like that. It was just the way he ran. I just love the way he ran. It was so upright. Everyone said, you know, like, of course, Hayne didn't succeed in the NFL because he ran too upright and, you know, just wasn't a great footballer. But he he was – that was a huge critique of him. But it seemed like Arian Foster did it that it worked really well. Yep. So it was weird. <laughs> All right, moving on from a player that was very good to one that's not so very good in Geno Smith. His knee injury is believed to be a torn right ACL. That'll be the end of his season. Or it is the end of his season and almost certainly the end of his tenure with the Jets. Uh, he had 14 passes before going down against the Ravens, so it's just been a bit of a tough stretch for for Geno Smith over the last, you know, 24 months, 18 to 24 months. You know, he was locked in to be the starter for the Jets until you know a dispute over about $500 led to IK and Impale punching him in the face and breaking his jaw, and then that led to Ryan Fitzpatrick being brought in and, and being made the starter, and 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 we know what happened there. Now, Geno Smith finally gets his foot in the door for the Jets, and then it all falls apart for him again. And it looks like, yeah, that'll be the end for him. Yeah, and like, if you're a team, who in their right mind would go out and pick him up? So... Exactly. That's that was my next question: is what do we, what did we think the market will be for a 26 year old quarterback now coming off a torn right ACL? I mean, his his best hope is. I don't know. It's like, a, like he, he's almost certainly going to be a backup quarterback, but for yeah, Gina, definitely like like a like a Dixon, like that kind of quarterback. Yep. Now he's just going to go from team to team, and he might be just a, uh, you know, he 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 might back up just an, another athletic quarterback somewhere. He's still twenty six, so if if teams are interested, his agent should do a job and try and get him in a team where the the. You know, the starter isn't exactly, you know, he might be locked down, but not. there's still a small window for him to have a chance and at least have a bit of a, a chance to compete for a starting job because he's never really had a chance, a proper chance, apart from his very, very first chance under the Rex Ryan regime where he hasn't exactly been the, the most best head coach in terms of track record with quarterbacks. So maybe if he lands in the right system or the right... Uh, scenario he might be a chance to to actually do something i wouldn't mind to see him in in you know possibly with colin kaepernick moving on and obviously sam fran will draft one but geno smith with chip kelly could be something interesting but who knows but i do i do i feel sorry for the guy because he he seems like an okay dude no (laughs) no you don't think he is no mate i don't know it's just it's very bad yeah it's very seems he seems ever since the draft he seems entitled and it's just, it's not something, it's not a trait that I, I admire think, whatsoever. I always felt sorry for him because he sat in that draft draft room alone for like a day and a half. And I was like, my heart Mate, was breaking for him for a little a while there. Teddy, Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater sat there for a long time and yeah. he's turned out to be a model citizen. So Gino yeah. should take some notes. But yeah. I mean, it's probably too late for him. We'll wait and see. Yeah. And Teddy's coming off a similar injury as well, but far better circumstance and situation for Teddy to, to, to move back into in Minnesota. Uh, in terms of the Jets, Obviously, they're going to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're going to talk about him in a little while, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe try Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty at some point in the season just to see what they've got at this point because their season looks to be pretty much over. I know they had a win and they've had a tough schedule and they can turn things around a little bit and they played much better, but 
I think, you know, another loss or two and that's it. Maybe we could see it, you know, weeks, you know, 13 to 17, we might see something else. Man, it couldn't hurt. Yeah. It can't hurt, especially like when your team has a record like that. And so you don't want to go into next season with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they won't. And Geno Smith will be moved on. And then they've they've got Hackenberg and Bryce Petty, and they're not going to go into the season thinking, all right, it's one of these two. We have to decide which one it is. Or they're going to say we should draft a quarterback. That can't happen. So they need to see what they have before they go into next season. Exactly. Uh, speaking of next season, Jay Cutler, he's uh, been cleared to return for week eight. When I say next season, this is a now a two-month period for Jay Cutler to prove his worth either to Chicago, who can cut him at the end of this year for little or no loss, or another team. And we've mentioned him, we've, we've tongue-in-cheek said that he'll win a Super Bowl with Arizona next year. But um, it's quite funny that Jay Cutler has been cleared to practice uh, just just a day or, or hour, literally hours after Brian Hoyer breaks his arm. It's a, it's a Christmas miracle, and Hoyer's been put on IR, and now Jay Cutler will return because Matt Barkley facing the Vikings was a scary, scary thought for Chicago. You know what? This is Jay Cutler's thing, isn't it? It's such a well-planned <laughs> maneuver by him. That's crazy. He, he gets hurt. It's probably his last season for the team. It's been like that for the last two seasons. Yep. He comes into this season, unless he performs ridiculously well or looks better, he's out the door. So then he starts off, he starts off okay, then it starts off, starts getting really bad. Then he gets hurt, Hoyer comes in, looks okay, then gets really bad, looks way worse than Cutler, bows out, and then you've got Matt Barkley who looks horrible. I mean, a lot of that was no preparation, hasn't even taken a snap behind that centre, but he looks horrible. And then Cutler comes in. Even if he plays average, the guy's going to look better than what was happening. So he's going to look better. And then as it just gradually goes along, they'll be like, you know what? What we have in Cutler is all right. So I always yeah. always look at quarterbacks and think, what's the alternative? And the, always when you look at the alternative, it's normally much worse than what they have. So uh, I'm not sure what the Bears are going to do with Cutler, but the fate's really in his hands here. And until he hurt his thumb, I thought he played well. But I think Hoyer probably outplayed him for a little bit when he started to come back, so we'll wait and see. It's it's good news for Alston and Jeffrey because uh, Brian Hoyer seemed to favour Cameron Meredith more than more than Jeffrey, so if you own Jeffrey in fantasy leagues, it's a bit of a positive for you moving on. Uh, last little bit of news, Aaron Williams has been attending meetings and walking around team headquarters and um, hasn't been cleared yet through the medical staff after evaluating his head and neck. The 26-year-old actually went underwent neck fusion surgery last October and the odds were 50-50 that he would ever play football again. So he's back on the field, and then he gets hit again by Jarvis Landry. It was labeled totally unnecessary by Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan then said, did he launch? Did he target? Yes. Um, He said, it's unsportsmanlike. Um, Now I have a player in jeopardy. You never need to launch and hit a guy in the head or neck like that. They say it wasn't. They say it's a football play. It wasn't. I'm sure Landry realized it was a mistake. Do you think uh, Landry's monster hit was unsportsmanlike? Because um, Rex can be a bit hyperbolic at times, to say the least. I know, but at the same time, Landry has a not a history, but he's like his style streak, is yeah. very. Yeah, I don't know. It, I think it, as bad as it sounds, like doing a play like this, whether or not. Um, like the reaction afterwards can change the momentum of a game. If his team fed off that, 
and were like, you know, like if your team feeds off something like that, that would just be like, oh my God, yeah, you know, get hyped kind of thing. Or it can go the opposite way and yep. like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. I, I, I watched it again and again and again, and it's tough to watch. He, he launched off the ground. I just don't think it was necessary to do that. I just think he could have, when you watch the play, he could have really just stood in front of him and it would have, it would have helped he, or just pushed, like, pushed him over the way he launched. I, I think it was quite unsportsmanlike. It was, yeah, and I like I like Jarvis Landry. He plays with Mean Street because he sort of blocks like Heinz Ward and, and Larry Fitzgerald, but I think in that time it just got the better of him, the Mean Streak. And Landry did say that he apologised uh, after the game. He told him to get better, and he said he never wants to see that happen to anybody. And he said if I could take that hit back, he would. It's a guy's livelihood. So obviously you're regretting it, uh, the decision. It's just uh, you just see plays like that, and you see some soft, pla- soft flags on players, and then that is just one where you get to... It's very, very tough to watch. Yep. I agree, mate. All right. Time for our real MVPs of the week. All right, Woot. What is your real MVP of the week? Uh, the party boat captain himself. <laughs> Mr. The Mr. Robert Gronkowski. I'm not sure if his full name is Robert. Is it Robert? <laughs> it would surprise me if it was like Roberto or something. Like, just something... <laughs> Just because of uh, because of the you know the frat boy nature of him and just how random he is at times, it would. Uh... Yeah. Or it's his middle name and his first name is no, like his Frederick. Name, his name is Robert Paxton Gronkowski. There you go. Paxton. <laughs> Paxton. Nice. Oh, yeah. well. Anyway, yeah. No, if anyone, uh, uh, let's just say, I'm sure if no one's heard it, and. He was told that he had just scored his 68th touchdown pass. I'm sure most of the people listening could gather the kind of person he is and where he would take that. Yep, and uh, how he would react. So we're just going to play that now for you and, and listen to his reaction. One more, I got 69 touchdowns, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Only you know what I mean, baby. <laughs> Did you expect anything else? Did you expect <laughs> anything else? No. The guy is... Uh, I don't know. He's a he's a he's a party animal. He's a joke. He's a he's the jester of the league. But you know what? Even though it was funny and it's great and like, it's, well, it's, you can't even say it's great. It's just him. It's just him being him. It's, it's so him. Stupid. If, if anyone else said it, it's creepy and gross. Yeah, like he gets away with that. I don't else, understand. <laughs> if someone else comes out and says it, like I can name like the number of you know if if Deshaun Jackson said that. Wow. It yep. would come across a really weird way. Yeah, or Des Bryant. Just think, and he'd get fined, probably. <laughs> probably. But it's Gronkowski, and everyone loves him, and he can get, do what he wants. It's, it's, you know. it's crazy how some players can just develop this immunity to so much stuff and, and on-field criticism, or like even on-the-field stuff. You know, Aaron Rodgers floated for a while there without any criticism sort of thing, and then Gronk off the field. Although I, did, I showed my girlfriend tonight, because... Um, I, I was laughing, and she said, "What you're laughing at?" And I showed her, and she thought it was disgusting. So she doesn't obviously know who Gronk is. So it's not immune to everybody. But uh, if you know who Gronk is, you just laugh at it because he's your—he's just the pinnacle of like booger from Revenge of the Nerds or some sort of frat boy image where it's just he can get away with it. And it's—it uh, was funny on around the NFL. Greg Rosenthal's in London at the moment, and they—they they called him at like two a.m. and Wes said. If I had told you Gronk commented 
on a question about scoring his 68th touchdown, what do you reckon he would have said? And at 2 in the morning, half asleep, Greg guessed that it would be something related to 69. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just to a T. Uh, my, uh, my real MVP of the week is Todd Bowles, who uh, just came in with an absolute hot take and an absolute dagger to Ryan Fitzpatrick. After the Jets win over the Ravens, Fitz, Fitzpatrick noted that he was going to play pissed off because he was benched for Geno Smith and pretty much carried on a little bit and whinged and whined a little bit. And then, so yesterday, Todd Bowles was asked about those comments and then he said if pissed off is going to stop the turnovers, then I'm more than happy for him to play pissed off the whole time. Oh, hot, 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 hot. Hot, if that was live, hot, hot, hot. I just would have mic dropped and walked out. Oh, my God. That would have, been, <laughs> would have been a fiery way to finish. It was. Good. It was amazing. That's an incredible statement. Just, yes, if you if that means you're going to stop throwing incredible amount of interceptions, then play pissed off. <laughs> That's your head coach just throwing you under the bus, and it was just unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, But then he also mentioned that he had no issues with the comments that he uh, – with Fitzpatrick's comments, so he got asked again about it, so – uh, anyway, but I thought that was an amazing, uh, amazing comment from Todd Bowles, who I like and respect as a coach. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, no, me too. The guy, the guy can only do as much as he can with what he's got, and it's not a lot. So. No, exactly. <laughs> hey, Woot, have you heard of moneyball.com.au? Have I heard of Moneyball.com.au, Australia's first daily fantasy site down under? You've heard of daily fantasy sports in the States. Now, Moneyball has brought it to our shores. With daily NFL contests, it's like a new season every day. If you don't win, don't worry. There is always tomorrow. Moneyball.com.au All right, time for our week seven takeaways now. And it's uh, there's a few, few interesting points to talk about from the week. And then uh, our last little topic, we're going to talk about the trade deadline that's approaching uh, very, very soon. But the first question I've got for us from this week, is it time to make a quarterback change in Los Angeles and Houston? What's your thoughts on, uh, firstly, Los Angeles? Um, I can't believe they haven't brought Goff in already. Yep. So uh, that, it, it still it confuses me. Like everyone else is throwing their rookies out there and like rookies that are far worse than Goff. And Goff was drafted. You, the team that drafts the quarterback is number one drafts them as their day one starter generally so yeah generally but like i mean in this day and age anyway yeah see that was the thing though like Wentz was seen as the more developmental developmental whatever yeah yeah (laughs) that's that's the right (laughs) word yeah so he was seen as the um quarterback that needed the most work or was going to be the project he has to come in day one looks great and Goff's still sitting there. It's just it's frustrating, not only for Rams fans that I can imagine they'd be pulling their hair out, just wishing to put him in. Yep. But man, it's, it's frustrating for everyone. Everyone wants a bit of excitement for the LA team, and it's just uh, mm. horrible. Keenan played well against the Lions, and they were three and three. So I've got to give Fisher like a little bit of credit for for not doing it. But after after London, I think now that they've got the bye, I think this is the perfect opportunity to make the change. I think this is it. Now you. You, you play you play Carolina, whose secondary is not good, and that gives you a chance to actually do something. Your offenses look stagnant, and you know Keenan had four picks last week. I know a couple were miscommunication with his wide receivers, but even miscommunication with the wide receivers, it, it's either the wide receivers run the wrong wrong route, or the quarterbacks thought that the the wide receiver was running a different route. So it might not be all the wide receivers' fault. So, and there's still plenty of throws that he made that should have been picked off or intercepted anyway. 
um, in London. So I just think this is the perfect opportunity for for them to make the switch. And Fisher still is so stubborn. He's so stubborn in that he thinks that he's always right. That he he said that he'll make a he'll make change at wide receiver before he makes a change at quarterback. Yeah, I got no comment on that. Guys, in that. Just it's just mind blowingly dumb. Like it, I don't understand it. And now that you're three and four, I just think this is the perfect opportunity. Like Goff cannot be that awful. He cannot be that bad. Like I agree, but I mean, if these if these coaches actually, you know what? Who who knows? Because the coaches think Keenan's good, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I just the whole math of it all, like they've, what they've given up and and what. Keenum's done on the field, it just doesn't quite add up to me. And the wide receiver issues, like you compiled these wide receivers, so you've got no one else to blame but yourself. Tavon Austin's been probably the biggest letdown for you. That receiver, Quick and Britt, have been pretty good, and you've just given Austin like fifty million dollars. So, like, pick your poison. Yeah, I got. I don't know. I don't yeah. know where to go with this team. If it's it, led by Jeff Fisher, it's so yeah. Bleh. Feel sorry for LA. It's just a, it's just a nightmare. Uh, another nightmare is the living, breathing, six foot eight excuse for a quarterback, Brock Osweiler. Uh, he completed 17 of 26 passes for 99 yards on throws where he saw no pressure, 72 quarterback rating. When he was pressured, 5 of 15 throws for 32 yards and a 42.4 quarterback rating. He then had nine throws on the day against the Denver Broncos this Monday Night Football that traveled at least 10 yards in the air and completed two of them for 24 yards. And he finished the day with two fumbles and 3.2 yards per attempt. He stinks. you got to be kidding me. I mean, how do you... Stinks. He's not good. I mean, yeah. we, told, we, said, we said that he was going to have a, you know, a tough day and that the Broncos were going to maul him, and they did. Um, saying that, though, I can't see them dropping him. I don't think they will drop him. I think Bill O'Brien will go before him. Wow. And, yeah, that's where I think we're at. Uh, Osweiler is not playing good, but we've seen many quarterbacks struggle against Denver, so yep. that will be that excuse. He he is the worst quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback in the NFL. Agree or disagree? Mate, there's a lot of bad ones. I know there's a lot of bad ones, but I just think he's probably the worst one. In terms of when you look at the talent around them, he he's managed to make DeAndre Hopkins disappear. Like that's he's performing magic. Saying that though, Hopkins sucked. Yeah, but that's because of Osweiler. Like at least Brian no, Hoyer, at no, least Brian Hoyer no, made no, no. made Hopkins relevant. Osweiler still looked for him plenty and made some good throws to him, and he, he you know kerfuffled a few of them. I'm not defending Osweiler, but. Hopkins hasn't been playing well all season. If you were the Houston coach, would you make a change at quarterback? Um, see, you can't say that because there's too much pressure from above. They paid him too much money to sit in. Yep. So that's just that's just the way business works. They're not going to invest so much money into something and then not mm. use it. So he'll stay. It'll be viewed as Bill O'Brien's, like, he'll be the one to blame. They'll look to hire someone at the start of next season to get uh, – Osweiler turned around. I still can't see them getting rid of him. They invested far too much. Mm. We said it was a stupid deal when they did it. They're not going to. Yeah, they won't get rid of him. He uh, basically averaged eight thousand five hundred eighty-seven dollars and fifty-nine cents per yard tonight or today. Bargain. Wow. It's uh, <laughs> it's just. I feel sorry for DeAndre. I do. I I feel like this is a. You go from Brian Hoyer to Brock Osweiler, and it's a huge downgrade for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I, got, also, I don't know. I also was watching this game thinking, God, how bad is the Colts' defense that they made this guy look somewhat decent? Yeah, scary stuff. And the, and the fumble. Did you think it was a fumble? I thought it was an incomplete pass. Um. Oh man, I don't know. It going off the tuck line. right. Going off the tuck rule. Know. That uh, the controversial. That led the Pats Pats to a Super Bowl trophy. But uh, the tuck rule is good. But this one was borderline. Like I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, let's it, talk about the best thing ever. All right, we'll move on to the second topic because I know you're really keen on it. But I just want to say one more thing: Rock Osweiler sticks in Houston. You're not going to win the division. Let's move on. You know what though? You know what? Why are Colts trying so hard to win it? <laughs> I know Andrew Luck keeps saving Chuck Pagano's job. Andrew Luck was amazing. Sucked in. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. I just feel like okay, you have a good quarterback, you have some good pieces like T.Y. and that, but it's never going to get better if you keep on succeeding and then keeping the guy's job. And then not getting high round picks. It's so bleeping <laughs> dumb, Josh. I know. It's I wa- so no, dumb. it's not. It's, I want some crazy deranged Colts fan to kidnap Andrew Luck, just store him in his basement for seven months, get Chuck Pagano fired, and then just release Andrew Luck back, knowing into, your back luck, into the knowing wild. Knowing your luck, there'll be some revelation at like running back or something, and that'll be the new running back that'll carry the team, and then. Once luck gets back, it'll throw it all out, and then, you know, it'll just go back to how it was. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the awesomest thing in the world. It's just uh, unreal that I'm stuck with uh, Chuck Pagano for forever. It's like he is the symbol for purgatory. Agree? All right. Anyway. All all right. right. Philadelphia, they win the Bradford Bowl. Uh, it was an ugly, ugly affair early, but it like it was very, very scrappy. Like it was, there was a lot of miscues from the, from the opening. Five giveaways in the first ten minutes. That's the first time that's ever happened since 1986. You know, Minnesota have been pretty safe with the ball, and then they had a lot of turnovers, and then Philly gave it back to them with a couple of interceptions from Wentz, and then we had some special teams blunders from Minnesota. Very rare. They've been very good on special teams, but their special teams cost them the game. But overall, it was actually. Despite its scrappiness and ugliness, it was quite a good game to watch. It was pretty fun. Um, it was awesome. <laughs> Awesomely frustrating to start. Yep. That was ridiculous. So two three and outs, two interceptions, then fumbles. No fumbles. Interceptions, then fumbles. Like just, what the hell? Just what the hell? Yep. Although the Jets oh, and Ravens man. had like three fumbles on one play, where like yeah, well, that was <laughs> that was comical. Hell, that... We need the um, Benny Hill music on that play. Oh god. Um yeah, no, this so what we spoke about, I, I said when I was making my prediction that I had this gut feeling that Philly was just gonna win it, just win, just flat out win, but whatever. Um Yeah, you were right. And my lock of the week the... continues to just fail. <laughs> what was my lock of the week? Yeah, yeah, Denver. So Oh yeah, mate. Easy. Easy pickings. Yep. Um Good betting week for yeah, me. Yeah, Phil... I was I was happy with that. Pardon? Minnesota was my only loss. It was a good betting week for me. Um, Now, Philly, the reasons that I couldn't pick them with my pick because it would be stupid too was how dominant the defensive line was supposed to be against a a Philadelphia's offensive line, and they didn't record a single sack. That was Like, what the hell? That was the biggest surprise of the week to me. When I saw that and saw that there was no sacks at all, that, that my mouth, my jaw literally hit the floor. It was unbelievable. Mate, big V. What? Big, big V. The guy, like, okay, he didn't play outstanding, 
But yep. to go from what he did last week to this week is incredible. And even mm. even um Jason uh, Peters Doug, was amazing. He was. And but Doug Doug Peterson came out about Big V and said, you know, like he wasn't trying to give him as much help as last week and maybe that just, you know, let him just focus on his job and kind of thing didn't confuse things for him or anything like that. Yep. I mean with tackles and um, guards and things like that, it kind of always does take a little bit to gel yeah, and like his get first, accustomed. His but... first start was just getting used to the speed of the NFL. I think he adjusted exactly. to that speed. And it was against and... Ryan Kerrigan. So come yeah, that's <laughs> hard. But then again, he was going against you know Anthony Barr and 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 players like and Daniel Hunter and things like that. So you you think that way that would be a lot tougher, but uh, held his own. And and I think that was that was where the game was won, even though. It was really a scrappy. It was a lot of mistakes on special teams, very uncharacteristic mistakes from from Minnesota. But I think you know the ability of the uh, offensive line to not lose them the game. I think they held their own and managed to do it. And then when you look at the other side of the ball, this offensive line for the for the Vikings, especially at tackle, is a huge, huge, huge concern for them. And I have my doubts now about their ability to go on a deep playoff run unless they fix this tackle positions because Jeremiah Sells, TJ Clemmings and Jake Long are not going to be sustainable for Sam Bradford who, you know, like most quarterbacks, but even more so than quarterbacks under pressure is just not good at all. No, it's not, but I don't know. It was just, I don't know if it can be fixed. They're not going to trade for anyone. No. They've given up too much already. It's, I don't know. It's, it is a shaky line. They don't have much money to spend. It's, it's a, they're in a pickle, but I don't know. It's, we we keep saying I don't know because it's hard to figure out where the where the solution's going to come from. You just mentioned they can't trade; they don't have any money. Like it's like they have to go in house, and Jeremiah Sells is the in house guy, and TJ Clemens, but they're just not NFL caliber. They're not they're not acceptable, and it's going to be really tough to you know their offense is too limited now. But look, obviously this game was they were due a loss. They were due a, an ugly. They were due a loss, and they were going up against you know Eagles front seven, which is like. The Eagles' best unit. They yep. are, they are, yep. you know, a very strong front seven. So that there's that whole aspect, and they're not going to go up against a defense like that every week. No. But saying that, I don't know if if Bradford can like there was periods when he was playing for Philly where he just went these long stretches that he was just releasing the ball so quickly, and he just knew what he was going to do and things like that. Once Bradford gets in that rhythm, and it's not. It's not exactly, you know, big plays or anything like that. It's just those short passes that you just can't stop that frustrate defenses. Yep. If he can get that role going again, because he is a pretty safe quarterback. Yep. Like, I mean, up until this game, there was no turnovers. So, you know, he's a safe quarterback. But like, if he can get among, like on that rhythm, the offensive line doesn't become so much as a, of a problem because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. But I don't know, Philadelphia's defense swallowed the offensive line yep. of the Vikings, and it was just, yep. you knew that was the, the mismatch of the game. Hmm. He's got a Tom Brady a fire there. Tom Brady a fire, I don't know if that's a word, but you're right. That's, you know, when they've got issues up front, um, it, and they're, or they're playing a really stout front seven, the, the Patriots and Tom Brady release the ball quickly and just kill you with that short passing game. Sort of like elongated handoffs where you're just throwing it, you know, half a yard in the air to... to to Edelman and things like that, and and Adam Thielen, just uh, did I stutter? Thielen, Thielen, he uh, he's a similar player, and and Diggs will get healthier as well. And you know that was his first game back after missing some time as well. So how did how did you feel about Wentz's performance? Because it wasn't his best game, but I kind of it, it feels weird to say this, but I'm so, kind of glad that he's had a like not a bad game, but he can dust off that game and, and look forward and move on from 
having a miserable miserable game but still coming off and making enough plays to get a win. Yeah, and like I like that that happened, and I like that it was a team performance kind of thing because yep. there was a there was a kick return from Josh Huff. So Josh Huff is you know there's still that speed aspect on the special teams from him, and I mean they always have sprawls, so that's good. Yep. The defense is performing, and then Wentz just comes through. There was a play where I want to say it was fourth and one, and there was kind of a a bundled handoff or something like that, and. Wentz dropped the ball, or there was there was a play where there was you know a kerfuffle with a the with Wentz on like a fourth and one, mm-hmm. and yet he scr- he scrambled to the left and made the first down. Like there was plays like that that you were just impressed with, yep. and I, I look at it because fans that weren't watching the game that saw this and you know saw that he had um, two interceptions and only one touchdown went oh maybe he's regressing kind of thing like that. But the first interception, even though it was slightly high. Selleck was kind of being not tackled or held, but he was in like a. If he didn't get contacted by the linebacker, I think it was Anthony, uh, not Anthony Barr. I think it was uh, Eric Kendricks. Yep. Was was covering Selleck. If he you know didn't get bumped or anything like that by Kendricks, he would have caught that no problem. It was it was thrown exactly where it should have been. So that and then that just went sailed past him, and then obviously it was picked yeah. off. But. Hmm. So that wasn't a bad throw. So the fact that people think of these are bad games when Wentz is actually playing fine, it you know it makes me feel perfectly happy that the expectations aren't so high of him and yet he's playing really well. So I don't know, it's good. Yeah, we'll wait and see how it pans out. And you know, look, he threw he had some throws he'll have back where he threw in a coverage on a couple of occasions and things like that. But I guess you know people say, oh, you know, that's the true Carson Wentz. I don't know. Like it's a really really tough D, and, and he held his own and made some some crucial plays at crucial times. So I think you, you don't have to, like, it's not a huge crisis in Wentzland that some people are making out about uh, about Carson Wentz. So reevaluate no. and see how it's just... Bloody it's, drop passes, Josh. Yeah, three oh drops as well. Yeah, tough. Oh, yep. Wentz, I mean, Wentz. Ertz, Ertz and Sally killed me. Far out. Are we sure Zach Ertz is good? I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like he's, I don't know. I don't think he's that good. It's no, he he's I don't know. Like he's he is good. It's more a way that is he be, is he better that, than Jack Doyle? That's a legitimate the, question. The, Ertz is a better receiver. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. But Jack Doyle's actually good though, right? Can we establish that? Oh, he's far better than Dwayne Allen. I still think Dwayne Allen's garbage. I don't know why he's there. No, Dwayne Allen's a lot better. Dwayne Allen is a very good blocker. I don't think people realize when they watch the games that he's a he's a very good. When when Gore has a big run, Dwayne Allen's normally on the field, but. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I love Jack Doyle uh, just yeah, cruising along and just being a a safety, an actual NFL safety blanket for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's a, it's a rare week where both our teams won. So uh, it's it's good vibes all around. And then that was near and the Chargers and the Chargers, just the trifecta. That's what you that's what your dreams are made of. And in my NFL wins pool, at soak work, it in, Josh. Soak it in. Yes, in my NFL wins pool at work after a very bad like three or four weeks, all my three teams won in the same week. So. It's uh, I love week seven. It was great. Um, all right. Uh, except for this game, actually, it turned into a classic. The NFL had its first tied game since October 12, 2014, when Carolina and Cincinnati finished 37 all. But we had a six all game in Sunday night football in prime time. The game had it all: kick a drama, uh, a touchdown that might not have been a touchdown. You know, the David Johnson thing, and and we ended up with a six all draw. What was your thoughts on on that game? Did you think it was a stinker or a classic? 
I thought I loved it. I, yeah. First three and a half quarters, it was a stinker, but it turned into a classic. Fortunately, I got to watch every minute of it because I was not doing my regular work duties, so it was very lucky for me. And so I was watching every second. I know that a lot of people, I mean, if you had fantasy players or something involved, it would have been pretty crappy, I yeah, guess. Massively. Uh, well, you had oh, you had Wilson, didn't you? Wilson and, and Christian Michael, but I managed to salvage the win with CJ Anderson today, so... He needed so, CJ Anderson needed seven yards in the last eleven minutes, and they kept giving it to Booker, and I was I was pulling my hair out on my couch. Yeah, no, but so like from from a like a purist perspective, the game was awesome. Like it was, even though it was a mess, and it was it was a beautiful mess. So like I I love a good it, way but... to a good way to describe it. A beautiful mess. I think I think it was like the first three and a half quarters. It was a bit of a stinker, but then when you really go back and watch it, it's just incredible defensive display. Like. Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones creating pressure, and then Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill doing the same, and it was just, it was just really, really good. And I, th- I think it was, I think it was a fair result. And there's a lot of talk during the during the last couple of days now, and we'll, we'll get to this question in a second. But I think both teams deserved to draw. I don't think one team deserved to win that. From Arizona side of things, they outgained Seattle by so many yards. They had like 480 something yards, and you only produce six points from it you don't really deserve to win a game like that and then from Seattle where you don't actually generate much offense or enough first downs or or anything like that then you don't really deserve to win a game either so I think a tie was the fair result I hate the term deserve to win (laughs) yeah there's often games where teams do not deserve to win at all most teams that win still don't deserve to win there's so many (laughs) so many factors go into it Far out. Yeah, yeah, but oh, well. uh, I think a tie was was fair. But a lot of questions now around whether NFL regular season games should end in a tie or not. Should they keep going until we have a result? What, what where do you stand on that? Um, no, a draw's fine. Some games I feel just deserve to end in a draw. It was just both fans can walk away disappointed that they missed field goals in overtime and both teams can feel glad that the other team missed a field goal in overtime. They can both just leave reasonably happy. No one is obviously Arizona. It would have been more beneficial for Arizona to win this game considering their record in comparison to Seattle's. But at the end of the day, it's, doesn't really hurt anyone that much. It's no, fine. It could, it could cost Arizona a playoff spot, though. Like, if they if they are half a game short because of this tie, then maybe it, maybe it is a bad thing. Oh, but no, I'm still fine with it. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the tweet that I saw that I thought would ask was, uh, you know, Shane Alexander, he, he works for Inside the Pylon, our friends Mark and Chuck that run Inside the Pylon, but he, he tweeted that NFL ties are the worst, the most ridiculous thing in sports. I'll never understand the reason behind not playing until there's a winner declared. So he's a big college football fan where that format keeps going until we get something. You know what? I I find the extra point very stupid. The way they do golden point, and, you know, I find that very dumb. Their overtime procedure is how is winning the toss? Like, I know it's not an easy feat, especially in a game like this, to march down the field and score a touchdown and win. But saying that, how does how is that fair exactly? Mm, exactly. So like if you're you know, if your team has been going head to head all game and it's been a shootout, both teams have shocking defenses and it's it's just a 
it's just an offensive juggernaut versus an offensive. Say, all right, for example, say the Colts are all offense, no defense whatsoever. Yep. And Atlanta's very similar. Like, even yep. though they do have a bit of defense this year more than expected, they're still pretty much just offense. But we'll say Saints then. We'll say Saints. Yep. So it's the Colts and the Saints, and they're com- completely offense v. offense. Once it comes to overtime, whoever gets wins the toss is essentially going to march down the field and score a touchdown and win. It's just not fair. So... That whole aspect just baffles me as well. I reckon I should just end it a draw there. Mm. Even though the excitement of overtime is, you know, it is exciting. You want to see what happens and it's great for entertainment purposes, but that's unfair. The whole thing's unfair in, in that respect. There you go, mate. Rant over. I, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Like, if, you, if the system is that you can't even get a chance to possess the ball and you can still somehow lose the game, I think that's inherently flawed. Uh, I think back to Green Bay last year, losing to Arizona after that insane Larry Fitzgerald system. But you know, during the regular season, I'm okay with a draw. I think it's I think it's fine. I get the desire to to have a result and win the game. And the, look, the college the college overtime is fun. It is very fun. I I I just think at the NFL level, though, I prefer the way that they've got that set up. I think uh, you know maybe that's why the NFL and some people think the NFL isn't as fun as college football. That might be a part of it, but. Um, I'm happy with a tie. Look, it doesn't happen very often. We just mentioned the last one happened in 2014, and then we've only had three or four in the 2000s. So it's just, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. We're talking about a small percentage of, of games. And, and what a completely different thing. 37 all yeah, compared and to the six reason, yeah. Six all is just amazing. It's crazy. And did you read that that all the, there's been three six all games in NFL history, and all three of them have somehow involved the Cardinals? Right. It's amazing. And, like, we're talking about a game where we had a kicker miss a 29-yard field goal by hitting the post. Chandler Catanzaro, who is probably by now at a Phoenix local area park looking for spare change um, because he got the boot. Like, surely he's going to get... He's missed... If they haven't missed... He's missed two field goals this year that have cost their team's game. That that, that changes their record significantly. It, it just changed the whole fabric of, of that division. Is Chandler... Catanzaro has changed that division. So instead of being three, three and one, the Cardinals should be really like five and two. It's it's crazy. I know a few Aussie kickers. <laughs> right. Paging Trust Bradley Craddock. Trust me, Josh. I know a few Aussie kickers that could really, you know, they can kick a football. Absolutely. Just saying. Paging Just saying. Bradley Craddock. Paging Bradley <laughs> Craddock. And then we've yeah, also we're, got... we're paging him now. <laughs> Live on the pod. Uh, if you say it three times, he just appears and and guest guest hosts the show. So and well. kicks a goal all in the same thing. <laughs> kicks the winning one at Penn State. Who had that crazy upset win? In, and there was a two Aussies involved in that game over the weekend. That was uh, sensational. But and then Stephen Hauschka obviously missed his kick. Man, he has some demons in that building missing another kick. But just two unbelievable uh, field goal misses just to to win the game. It just it had it all. Like that was so drama, and the the reaction from Bruce Arians was throwing his. Stuff. That was so drama. That it was, was so crazy. drama. And then uh, what Johnny drama? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then Pete Carroll's was just like an empty empty look on his face, and uh, he was just absolutely shocked. Oh my god! No way! I would have um, like pretended to faint. What? That just it needed it all. <laughs> what reaction would you? be closer to Bruce Arians or Pete Carroll's I definitely would have just had like a a smirk a shake in the head like uh, what the actual so that's probably know. more Pete Carroll me I'm throwing I'm throwing everywhere man I just uh, Bruce Arians I would be just irate yeah but you have a lot of built up anger mate I'm I not d- like that <laughs> 
I'm not about that life. Are you saying I have anger management issues? Mate, there's no management whatsoever. <laughs> so you are just saying I have flat-out anger issues? Yeah, mate, you... Well, we're hashing out some, some serious uh, podcasts. Hi, welcome <laughs> Grievance... to Josh Chat. We're both Josh's. <laughs> Feels like I'm with All my right. psych right now. We're on the couch and just airing out grievances, but <laughs> it's uh, it is really funny. And then the the difference in the post match presser is Pete Carroll saying I love Hauschka and and all that sort of stuff. And then Bruce Aaron's just just like you get paid to make those kicks, and he didn't make it. Like just real talk. <laughs> no, none of that airy fairy Zen stuff that Pete Carroll's into. It's totally different coaches, but exact same result. Six all draw. Magical, magical stuff. Uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that game. Actually, it, it ended up being a classic. It, uh, yeah, well, for the purists, anyway. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Seattle and Arizona fans are not happy with the result. But uh, moving on, last little bit is we've got the trade deadline coming up. It's, uh, it's a week or so away, and there's a lot of chatter generating around. Um, Browns coach Hugh Jackson insists that the team's not going to trade Joe Thomas. I read next to nothing into that. Uh, when teams say we're not trading a player, that often means that they exactly are trading a player. Uh, so there's been some uh, some speculation there. Same with Joe Staley. So if you're a left tackle and your name's Joe and you're very good, you may be traded this, period, off, this trade period. And then there's also some reports that the Eagles and 49ers have been discussing a trade for Tory Smith. Uh, so Is it Joe Barksdale? Joe Barksdale uh, plays Who's for the, the Chargers. Left- Joe Staley's for the uh, is for Forty no, 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 no. Niners. Wait, Barksdale's the other tackle, yeah. But there's another. I'm trying to think of tackles named Joe. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, I think, mm. but, yeah, I think Barksdale is. Yeah, that's about it. There's a lot of tackles named Joe, though. Joe tackles. Are you googling it right now? <laughs> no, idiot. Joe Hay. Um, he plays for the Colts as well. So, All right, anyway, anyway, just keep going. Wow. Keep going. I'm, I'm very sorry. You, you type into our document, let's fly through this segment, and then go off on a rant on trying to name left tackles named Joe in the NFL. <laughs> Unbelievable. Shut up. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, okay, I've mentioned Joe Thomas, Joe Staley, Torrey Smith. Out of those three, who's the most likely to be traded, do you think? Torrey Smith. Because <laughs> that's actually got discussions. Who's the... Who's the one out of those, aside from Torrey Smith to the Eagles, because I know you wouldn't mind that, because I think Torrey Smith's a good player. I just think he's been in a bad situation and a bad fit for he him. He has good hands. He has good hands. He runs great routes. I just, It's just not a good fit for him. He's a good player. Yeah, he's not, he's got he's, real... I'm sure Arizona and Joe, uh, I'm sure Baltimore and Joe Flacco would love to have him back. But out of the other two, Joe Thomas, Joe Staley, what, like, what's a move that makes sense to you? For me, I think we just saw what happened with Russell Wilson on What are their ages, game. by the way? Do you know how old they are? Joe Thomas is quite old, but man, he's still the best tackle in the NFL. And when you have a Super Bowl window and a Super Bowl defense like like Seattle, I think making the move and and sure, he's only thirty, he's still only thirty one. So in tackle years, like he's still got three or four years left. <laughs> tackle years. Tackle years. <laughs> yeah, offensive lineman can play for a while. So. Uh... By the way, Joe Thomas, also the name of um, in between his actor Simon. There we there go. You go. <laughs> and Joe Staley is thirty two. So. One of those guys going to Seattle would make a lot of sense. I just can't see the Niners trading within the division. So Joe Thomas to this to the Seahawks makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's an opportunity for a second-round pick. I would bite on that if I'm Seattle. How old Staley? 32. 32. Which is fine in uh, tackle years, man. That's, that's almost, you know, he's almost a rookie. Um... <laughs> 
I don't know. It's it's difficult. The the asking price for these are very high. Joe Thomas kind of warrants a high pick, but at the same time, he's still so old. It's similar. I know Evan Mathis didn't have a playing career that spanned as long as Joe Thomas at that level, but there was like three or four seasons where Evan Mathis was just killing it and then, you know, went for nothing, essentially, because of his age and, you know. But they still got like two and a half to three years out of him. The, the two teams. Yeah, but even that, they, they weren't full years. So yeah. it's it's such a risk getting old players. I know Joe Thomas doesn't even have, like, he doesn't have an injury history either. So it's yeah. just. I look at it this way like, how many second round picks are you going to hit on and you're guaranteed at least three or four years of elite level play out of? Like, there's no. Well, like, okay, the Colts would love either of those players, but at the same time, that would be dumb for them. Yeah, that's, that's silly. But I just think for Seattle, given their window and what they need, I think he would just. Make it would mean that they could move their left tackle back to a position that he prefers, and then it would mean that Jermaine Freddie would wouldn't be less exposed. I just think it would just solve so many problems for them, and I think it would make them a. They already are a contender, but I just think it would just make them the the talk of the town in the NFC. I think that's a trade uh, that just makes so much sense to me, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it actually happens. But apart from those three players, is there any other players that you think you wouldn't mind seeing? traded or, or or moved on. I always try to think of some teams that are really struggling and and just going for a regime change that may just get thrown around. Well, I think, um, I don't know, even though I can't see it happening because it's, in, uh, it's interdivision, but I, and I know the Green Bay Packers are just, I think their system at the moment is inherently flawed in regards to their whole rookie rookie-only system. Like, their wide receiving core just isn't strong enough. They're, they've got, like, three identical receivers in Cobb, Devontae, Adams, and Montgomery. It's just kind of like a, you know, a short slot wide receiver trio with an aging Nelson down the field who's not doing anything. So if they got, if they got you know, a big-time wide receiver to come in and, you know, replace Nelson, or not replace him, but, you know, compliment him until Nelson's moved on or something, I think that's a, like a legitimate spot for a good wide receiver. If you know, if Green Bay were to venture away from what they normally do, which is draft, you know, a defensive tackle in the high twenties, mm, that would, uh, yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be. Uh, don't you uh, think? Yeah. Don't you think a player that has, you know, hinted that he hates the regime and Alshon Jeffrey would be perfect? Yep, it would. Uh, they need, they need something. I, I just think, yeah, I, I agree. It, it would, but, but it's, it's hard interdivision, right? Who, who I'm trying to think of another wide receiver that could go there. That's yeah. legit. I'm thinking about Carolina and in, in a corner or a defensive back. I think they they could be. That they could shouldn't be, do that. They shouldn't. No, their I, season's done. You don't. I, I don't think they're done after after Atlanta lost again. I think there's still a chance that they could go on a, on a stretch. And I like James Bradbury, but they need someone opposite opposite him. If they still think that they're alive. And they have a chance, then they could make it. I'm not saying anything crazy, but say you, a third or fourth round. Say you round. go get Joe Hayden, right? Yep, that's say a great name. Carol- I wasn't Carol- thinking about say, that, but that's a good name. Say Carolina go out and get Joe Hayden because the Browns want as many picks as they can to build the future and start their own Green yep. Bay, right? Or a picks get... factory. That's really what they're just going to be. <laughs> yeah, but say they go get Joe Hayden, they're not. That doesn't immediately change enough. It's it's not enough. But it depends what they're giving up. If if the Browns are like all out on Hayden and just say fifth rounder, like that's nothing. That's so. Of course, 
every team would be on board with that. Yeah. Philly would go out and get that in a heartbeat. They need they need backup now. So I mean, even the, the Colts would do that. Yeah, absolutely, they would. <laughs> Most teams would, but I just yeah, I just think they're a team that I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but uh, well, we'll wait and see. Oh, you I'm like just... the name Joe Hayden? That guy should. That guy. Anyone named Joe get yeah. traded? <laughs> I know that's crazy. Uh, we'll probably see some stupid uh, articles during the week saying that uh, the Cowboys should trade uh, uh, Tony Romo. You know that's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's a trope it's, this it's week. Crazy. Um, you it's mentioned. I also forgot. Darren McFadden's healthy and coming back from injury with him behind Zeke and. Alfred Morris and a team like the Vikings who need a running back, you know, uh, Jerick McKinnon suffered a little bit of a knock and you can't really roll out Matt Asiata. I wouldn't mind like someone like Darren McFadden to the Vikings. That That's a, By the way, a, a I'm, low risk I'm move. So low on both of those running backs, watching them play against Philly, even though Philly played really well, they, they were so uninspiring. Both of them, yep. both of them in totally different ways. Just, you know, bored me. All right. Sorry. No, that's fine. And Jerick McKinnon's <laughs> normally very explosive, but uh, yeah, it just wasn't the, against that. It was just one of those days, man, where your your front seven was just stopping anything and anything. So it was just uh, it was a good. By the way, good coaching. Got to see a bit more of um, Rodney McLeod. He played he played very well. He got a pick and a, a strip sack. So that was that was pretty cool. I like seeing that from mm. Mr. McLeod. Yeah, but uh, you know, jealous. Still, still not as good as Jack Doyle, who's. Probably the best, better than any tight end on the Eagles roster, am I right? Hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. Speaking of the Eagles, with that blockbuster clash coming up, uh, we're going to get our mate RJ Ochoa on the show this week for a bit of a uh, Philly Cowboys bants uh, in our previews. So uh, he's he's willing to stay up all at all hours mate, to come on the show. That guy was talking rubbish, saying how boring that game was, and then Philly just walked out. And beat the only undefeated team left. Mate, wow! Starting whatever. starting the bands early. It's great. So he's... shut up, Ochoa. <laughs> uh, I love that you guys really hate each other, and me and Ochoa are very very tight. So it's very fun. I can't wait to uh to be. I've the... rarely spoken a word to him. Can we not use the word hate? No, no, it's faux hate. It's great. It's great. But when you do speak, it's just about it's just uh, a lot of Philly and, and Dallas angst. So it's very it's going to be a very good. Well, bit. he's going to he's going to own me a burger because yeah. Alf Morris has done nada. So right. anyway, there we go. Perfect. All right, that uh, that wraps up the show, man. Uh, a nice tight hour. We did pretty well. <laughs> there was a lot. I can I can just every time you say a tight hour or something like that, I just think of uh, Jesse on Breaking Bad saying, "No, actually, it's Tuco, the drug dealer, who just goes tight." Tight, tight, tight. That's all I can imagine. Can you uh, get that as a drop for me for the week, and uh, we'll throw that in every time we finish a show under an hour? I'll play that. No problem. I'll get a drug dealer saying tight, tight, tight to our podcast. Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic work. All right, where can people uh, find you, man? On the street? Um, Western Sydney. Tight, tight, (laughs) (laughs) On the corner of tight, tight. No, all right. Uh, No, they can find me on Twitter at wood, etc. They can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow the show at Wooten Y, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Where else? Wooshka, Wooshka. Tune in, radio, wherever you want. Please give us a like on Facebook, The Wooten Y Show. Peace. Bye.